0: Whatever, just do it. Do it. Just do it. Do it, do it. feel it, feel it did you just have to add feel it, feel
1: it. Yeah, fucking marky mark and the funky bun.
0: I no I know what you're doing.
1: Feel the vibration. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> uh, Why are we
0: terrible?
1: Oh my god! Uh, it's hold on. just a good vibration. The fuck? You know? You, you know how like some uh, instruments are, are like dated to certain eras. Electric piano is dated early nineties to me because all of like the fucking club music.
0: All of it has it. Every all of it has electric song. piano.
1: Every single club tune from like 1989 to 1992 has electric piano in it, prominently featured. It is absolutely true, and I love it. (laughs) So welcome to episode 10, the big one-oh of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Goddard. My friend and collaborator's name is Juan Barkeen. Say hi, Juan
0: i'm more like stuck in the middle with
1: woo okay <laughs> you got it out of your system <laughs> yeah um before we get this uh get this show on the proverbial road got a little bit of a uh, little bit of housekeeping to do man some things yeah. to take care of first thing i would like to say that the uh television show that i talked about last week uh in passing called uh what was it uh, the
0: lair
1: that's right the lair uh um,
0: really gay apparently
1: Apparently, that's what, that, that's how it reads anyway. Uh, Gay I said, uh, Gay Vampire Mysteries. <laughs> that, that actually probably would have been a better <laughs> name for the show, the Gay I Vampire know, right? Mysteries. But anyway, that show, I said that it was an ongoing series. Turns out that uh, the run actually ended in 2009. And, uh, we're gonna give, uh, we're gonna give gay.com some free publicity here, because why not? No one listens to this anyway. So you can find all three seasons of The Lair <laughs> streaming right now on gay.com.
0: In addition to an eight part web comic.
1: <laughs> which There's is a little mini season 2.5
0: yeah
1: it's kind yeah, of genius m- oh man it's nuts right the internet wish, is wild i wish
0: i I want to do that someday i want to have like my multimedia campaign for all my movies uh <laughs> and and books and bullshit anyway
1: <laughs> and one, and one other bit of housekeeping so we got we got some like not direct fan mail but we got a little bit of fan mail from a friend of mine named neil who lives in I'm not exactly sure where, but I do know that it's in the American Southeast. Not too far from where you actually are, Juan. Oh, my. So you uh, sent me a, a Facebook message, and the message goes like this. Okay, so from the first Stuck in the Mill with You podcast, you and Juan had a bit on favorite devils in film. Bit. And I've been sitting on this thought for a while, uh, being on the devil in film. And I had hoped you and one would go deeper with that in a separate podcast on that, because that'd be hella cool. Uh, I just figured I'd throw this your way. Back in 2002, 2003-ish, BMW put out a series of short films and titles, The Higher. All of these were directed by different directors. I, granted, I'm drunk, can only remember Ang Lee and Tony Scott being two. But there were a few others. Anyway, Tony Scott's is my favorite, and in my opinion, the best. Taking a step back, all of these films involve whatever model of BMW they were trying to pimp out at the time, and then Clive Owen as the driver of said car. The Tony Scott film involves Clive Owen being hired as a driver for James Brown, that James Brown, to go meet with the devil at the Crossroads Hotel in Las Vegas, because James Brown met with the devil at the fabled Blues Crossroads in Mississippi, and sold his soul for fame and fortune, and now would like to renegotiate his contract. It's incredible, and cameos, and I love it so much. Too long, don't read. Watch this, thanks. So thanks, Neil, for your message, for your rambly, drunk-ass message.
0: I really want to watch, like, all of these shorts now, actually.
1: There's probably probably a, a clever enterprising soul that's put all of these on a YouTube playlist somewhere.
0: Yeah, I'm sure we can find it.
1: So enough of that nonsense. Let's get to this week's movie, which was...
0: Ben Younger's Prime.
1: That's right, from 2005.
0: Yes, oh my god, it's been a decade since I saw this in the theaters. That's the right, first this is a rewatch
1: time. for you, and this was a yeah, first time watch for me. And boy, howdy. <laughs> boy, oh, howdy. Man. Boy, howdy! I wish I could have those two hours back.
0: <laughs> Fuck you! It's not—it's not even two hours. First of all, it's like an
1: hour forty. It's an hour forty something. Still manages to feel about twenty minutes too long. It does there, not
0: at all. There's it, a recurring theme it of movies here. by. It breezed by. Derek. Yeah, it breezed. Sure. No, it really did. Honestly, it does not feel the length it is. But anyways,
1: all. we're getting way ahead of ourselves. One, what is this movie about? What is Prime about? <laughs> Prime
0: is about a divorced woman who is 37 years old who played ends up... Played by Uma Thurman. Yes, played by Uma Thurman, who ends up dating a 23-year-old who is, unfortunately, the son of her therapist played by Meryl Streep
1: well the therapist is played by Meryl Streep but the the son the person that Uma Thurman is uh dating is played by the blandatastic Brian Green. yeah
0: like that's why I didn't didn't mention his name because nobody <laughs> cares about him and that's okay
1: that's weird though because this is ostensibly the male romantic lead in the film and I would expect more in terms of like performance and presence from him
0: uh, and I don't he did not deliver
1: so. I don't think like he, he was risking being upstaged by John Abraham's at several points in the film. And here's the thing about John Abrahams. Risking,
0: but he doesn't get.
1: Here's the thing with John film. Abraham's. If you don't know that name, he was the dude who played Bobby in Scary Movie. Yep. And he was also the dude who was Ellen DeGeneres' house DJ on her show for a while. So that kind of tells you at what level. I'm glad of...
0: that you know that he was her house DJ.
1: Wikipedia, motherfucker.
0: Like that's like that's like a really like. <laughs> it's a really interesting but random fact to know. I mean, that's, that. That,
1: that, that's that's the spice that makes these kinds of shows all right. And by these kinds of shows, I mean movie podcasts.
0: Yeah. I don't think you necessarily need to have that interesting of a male lead because honestly, it's not his movie. Even though the movie occasionally thinks it is, but it really is not at all.
1: I think this movie confuses boringness for naturalism.
0: Fuck you! It does not. I disagree wholeheartedly on that fact. Okay. Um, I think it is very natural. I think it is very realistic in its expectations of what a relationship like this should be like, how it plays out, how it affects the people around us and ourselves. I don't know. I think it, I thought it was really thought it was solid as hell.
1: I thought it was painfully middle brow, and we and a lot of the problems I've had. With this movie are a lot of the same problems I had with Jolene in terms of tone, look, but not – but none none of the weird sex stuff that (laughs) Jolene had obviously because this is is like PG or PG-13. I'm not sure.
0: Probably PG-13 I feel because of scenes of sexuality. I'm assuming that's what it's going to say.
1: Scenes of sexuality and massive quotation marks. I mean I will give this movie points for like outright saying the word penis. Multiple times? Several times? Yeah.
0: Sexual content, including dialogue and for language.
1: Oh my god. I just, this whole exercise was really, really bland Uh for me in terms of this is the conflict we have. This is the problems that are presented. These are the situations we're in. This movie might as well have been called romantic comedy. Uh,
0: The thing is, it's not (laughs) not a romantic comedy.
1: All right. Well, if it's not a romantic comedy, it fails as a romantic drama, too, because the stakes aren't that high. But the
0: stakes aren't that high in most relationships. I think it's a very reasonable, realistic movie. And that's not something that, I guess, is appealing to that many people. But it's... it's certainly wasn't appealing to me. I get that it's plain. I appreciate that plainness. I want realism. I want... I I don't know. There's no monologues. It's just... There it's plain aren't, but they're fucking simple. And there honest. aren't, but
1: it's so meandering. First of all, I'm arguing with you on the fact that this was not a romantic comedy because it hits those beats like fucking clockwork, mm-hmm. the, like the meet cute, the sort of ascent of the relationship, the peak, the problems, and the and the resolution,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then an epilogue, which while I appreciate it in theory, I feel doesn't work in the film.
0: I think they could have cut the epilogue. Um, I like the idea. Although I will say I really love some of the execution of the epilogue. I hate some of the execution of the epilogue. Or not the execution. I just think it's unnecessary.
1: It's completely unnecessary. And it just, it's part of, I guess, the movie's problem with juggling tone. Which I guess is evident in the fact that I think it's a romantic comedy. That Juan thinks it's sort of a more naturalistic, I guess, dramedy. Yeah. In trying to do one and in trying to do the other, it ends up satisfying none of the criteria adequately, and it ends up just being boring. It is a bland middle of the road. Like, there's a reason I had never heard of this movie before, you know?
0: I think it does get very This is a movie with,
1: like, stars and with an up-and-coming writer-director who had made a splash with another movie uh, called Boiler Room, which was like kind of like a Wall Street margin call kind of deal. At the end of the last episode, when you were teasing the movie, and you were like, how have I not heard of a movie with fucking Uma Thurman, who at that point in her career was doing Kill Bill, probably the most high-profile work she had ever done.
0: This is right after Kill Bill.
1: This is right after Kill Bill, and fucking Meryl Streep. And how have I not heard of a movie with both those people in them?
0: Well, the thing is, I think it does get forgotten in their, like, both their careers, just because they had so much around all of it. You follow up Kill Bill Volume 2, which everyone adores as this perfect movie of Tarantino's with this, and it's just, like, it falls in between this, like, this high point of her career and, like, the low point of her career, which is basically a lot of what she did afterwards. And then with Meryl, it's just, like, it's not... Meryl. It's not I I get you on a
1: first-name basis with Meryl Streep. (laughs)
0: It's Meryl fucking Streep. I can, like, come on. With Meryl, it kind of just falls in between, like, every other thing she gets nominated for, both the great stuff and the mediocre stuff.
1: I mean, I will say that, I mean, she had little to nothing to do with this role of the stereotypical Jewish mother. Although I will say... Same thing as Uma Thurman, who had very little to do with this stereotypical divorcee looking for love. I think they Roll. had
0: enough to do. I think uh, Uma Thurman watched I mean, more, but I do. I actually prefer the scenes of Meryl as a mother than I do those of her as a therapist. The therapist feel, ones came like, off a little false.
1: Like, I feel like I, when I'm watching Meryl Streep do this, I can see the wheels turning in her head going, How can I make this pop? And, and she does. She does know, make it man. pop. She does to me, especially. I, like I, I will say this, though Uma mm-hmm. Thurman has a great facial language. Yes, she does. She has this way about using her eyebrows and her eyes that is very captivating and brought some, like, a little nuance to this, to this thing. It's a, kind of, it's a kind of subtle physicality that happens a lot in romantic comedies, and I wish there was a lot more of that because, to go back to Brian Greenberg for a second, his body language and sort of subtle physicality is yeah. not subtle at all. At all. Brian Greenberg is not a good actor. <laughs> at least he not this movie. Here's the thing. John Abrahams has this weird thing. Oh, he's the friend that, that sleeps around and only, like, dates women once. And for some reason pies them in the face. Yes. Like a I love. Clown. I
0: think my favorite bit was when he goes, man – I should make this into... Do you think I could pass this off as performance art? And I'm like, that's exactly what this is. Like, I don't get this.
1: Here's the thing! <laughs> that's how big of a dick this character is, is that he's been doing this just for kicks up until that point, and Ben realizes the possibilities?
0: Yeah. It's such a stupid character trait. Like, he sleeps with women once and pies
1: him in the face! Yeah, there's like three movies in here that were, like, looking for, like, a director. Because, uh, you know, <laughs> Ben Younger, not Like here's the thing, this also falls into the trap of major studio comedies looking really bland. There's nothing that pops off the screen at me. Except for like Uma Thurman's eyebrows. But like see that bothers me, you're in New York. No, 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 no. no.
0: Hang on, hang on, hang
1: on. Do movies have to pop out? At you to Somehow. be good. It wasn't happening in the script. It wasn't happening with most of the performances. The direction. I think it are... was happening in the
0: performances, specifically the female performances. I think there's a lot of solid characterization out there. There is one these...
1: decent performance in this film, and that is Uma Thurman.
0: I stand by Meryl Streep. I think it like
1: I feel like Meryl Streep is trying, but the role is not meaty
0: enough. It's not. No, but that's the thing. I think the stupidest shit plot offers her a lot of moments of. Discomfort, I guess. I don't want to say discomfort, but like you see this woman, like from the very get go, you see the you see her as this woman who's pretty like I, I don't want to call her narrow, like open minded, I guess, because like she's, like she's you know, got she's it telling together. this woman like oh you know like oh a thirty seven year old woman dating a uh, A twenty-seven-year-old. That's okay, because that's how she he was initially built as to her therapist. You know, she's very much like you need to go out there. You need to you need to like live your life. You're divorced, etc. Your like last marriage was shit. Blah blah blah. Go have fun. That's a relatively open-minded thing for an older Jewish woman to be telling like this younger woman. So you know, this is a relatively open therapist who is very much interested in seeing her client, I, I guess, succeed at life again uh life, right? <laughs> not necessarily love because she doesn't expect her to fall in love immediately again and she doesn't expect her to fall in love with the 27 year old as much as it would be good for her because you know they're both at their sexual peak haha <laughs> which I, right. I i honestly like a lot of the little like one-liners she makes them pop very well both of them do I they have a lot such of good interactions of,
1: I, a lot of the jokes are kind of lame the thing is,
0: like you told me this yesterday, and you thought they were mom humor, and they absolutely are mom no, humor. No, a lot, but a I
1: lot, don't mind of, that. lot of the I, no, you're misquoting me. I said that I'm a lot sorry, of the, wine mom, wine mom humor,
0: and, wine mom yeah,
1: humor. <laughs> I am I, I'm not a wine mom, but you I am and my a friend wine friend mom. Are definitely in that category. Absolutely. There's one like centerpiece scene where uh, Meryl Streep has just found out that her son and her client are are, are dating, and that her son is a person that. Uma Thurman's talking about in the sessions. And there's this interminable endless sequence where like Uma Thurman is like describing their sex life in detail. And it's just painful to watch. Not because (laughs) Meryl's reaction. Not because it's not because it's like uncomfortable, just because it's so lame. It's oh boring God, not lame it is, is so, so boring it is so fucking wrong oh whatever oh! oh, oh, oh it's uh, no it's so fucking boring dude
0: anyway I get what i was trying to say to was once she discovers about the relationship you see so many changes in her character and they're not like all that explicit because we only get glimpses into Streep's characterization i guess or character in general but um <laughs> this is a problem <laughs> No, I don't think it's a problem because the movie's not about her. That one dinner scene I thought was a really, really great, like the first time she goes over to his house to meet all of his family, I thought it was a really great representation of what I liked about the movie. It's so like, yes, it's plain in presentation, but you see that one bit where she she just hugs her and she starts like crying a little bit because she's like, it's so good to see you. It's so representative of, like, everything this character is going through. Not just, like, she's starting to sort of lose her happiness with this guy. She's lost her crutch because, let's be real, Meryl Streep was essentially her character's sort of crutch. Because she never really talked to that many of her friends as much as they, like, pop up every once in a while. I didn't care for her friends, I will say that much.
1: That whole that whole subplot probably could have been cut. That's probably the yes, fact that needs to disappear.
0: I think so. I, I I'll give you that wholeheartedly that that scene and then having the dinner follow that sort of cry immediately with just the sort of uncomfortableness of all of it and the uncomfortableness that comes with a relationship with such a huge age difference because it's 23 and 30 that's 14 years like he could like she could literally be his mother had she had him (laughs) young enough pretty young I think one of the biggest issues, like, one of the things that this movie does so well is show the difference of, like, I guess not ambition, but life goals that a 23-year-old and a 37-year-old woman would have, and not just in the fact that, like, this kid is just a fucking, yeah, he's a pain or whatever, but he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't give a shit about his life, and that's what a lot of 23 year old. And Uma Thurman side of it, you know that final-ish scene where she said, like, he's like, "Oh, I want to have you, like, you know, I want to give you a baby," and she's just like, "I can't."
1: That is the worst idea.
0: I can't do that to you. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? What the fuck are you thinking? Like, that's that's a really like quintessential moment to her character. I thought that was so so well handled.
1: Yeah, it's a shame the whole movie wasn't like that though. Well, fuck you! You're so you're so negative. Yeah, I'm the negative Nancy in this case because I thought the movie was kind of crappy.
0: I don't. I think the movie is pretty good. Whatever. Uh, but you, you, really... ra- you raise
1: good points about like the way the movie treats ambition. But a, a side effect of that is that the characterization, since it's kind of like not really thorough, it wavers wildly from scene to scene. If you say so. I mean, that's what I felt. I mean, about after the hour mark, it feels like, the personalities of the main characters are like like short circuited and changed. Like then uh, Brian for her Greenberg, main character for her character or like his? at that point Brian Greenberg became a massive manchild slob. But that's the thing: when Uma Thurman became like the sort of uh, the, the enter- sort of nag, and then Meryl Streep was like a neurotic uh, fucking mess. And it felt so like not of a piece with the rest of the film. It's like okay, now you're now, okay, now you get, you got goofier now, okay.
0: But the thing is, like, when you first enter a relationship, everything is very idealistic and average and normal and nice. And then you start realizing, oh, shit, this is what real people in real relationships have to deal with. And you become real people. And, like, I know you're saying, like, oh, they become stereotypes. But, like, they don't. They become average fucking human beings.
1: Not romantic
0: comedy stars.
1: (laughs) I just felt like that transition was made with, like, an audible clunk. I don't know. I mean, there wasn't enough time to help build these characters to make in order to make that transition from like date people to relationship people smooth.
0: I disagree, but that's fair. I, I have like one final note. I don't know how many more you have. I got a few. Okay. Do you want to like sound off yours before I hit you with my final?
1: Okay. Yeah. Let's get, let's uh, put a pen in your final one. Let's go through, let's go through the runs I got here. There's a couple of mm. things that I, uh, that couple of more than a couple, There's a few stray notes. Um, I'm not a fan of how this movie name drops like high art types in order of seeming hip or cool.
0: I don't think it does it to seem hip or cool. I actually think Antonio is
1: not why a Michael terrible An- name drop. Yeah, why Michelangelo Antonioni in this case? Oh, can I can, I can I
0: add on to that? Sure. Antonioni is very much known for his meandering bullshit. Like, I feel like that's...
1: Yeah, well, this wasn't artful meandering bullshit. This was, like, studio meandering
0: Listen, bullshit. listen. His meandering bullshit only qualifies as artful when it's well done. He is not always that good at doing
1: it. Sometimes <laughs> yeah, but his movies certainly are better like... than Ben Younger at doing it.
0: Oh, uh, listen.
1: I, I'm a big... <laughs> I As big a fan of Uma Thurman as I am, she's no Monica Vitti. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, I mean, she isn't, but, like, some of Antonioni's films are, like, fucking slogs to get through.
1: (laughs) This movie was a slog, but for a different reason. Um, His
0: Eros piece in particular is, like, my most hated fucking thing of all time. But anyway.
1: Jesus, okay. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, Antonioni, Rothko, and Coltrane... And Coltrane ties into this other weird thing about this movie is that it's, like, sort of peripherally racist.
0: <laughs> peripherally racist.
1: Peripherally racist in that Uma Thurman's jamming Coltrane in her apartment because she's cool, right? She's hip uh-huh. to that. Yes, yeah, she uh, is. And in Jess, Brian Greenberg says uh, refers to it as Negro music. <laughs> and I'm like, wait a minute.
0: Okay, what? in all fairness, he's a shitty 23-year-old. I want to stand by that because and, the amount of and shit
1: every shit interaction twenty
0: three year olds we see on the internet
1: and every interaction <laughs> with like the apartment building concierge is the worst.
0: In all fairness, I like I'm gonna keep on like I'm not defending it, but like <laughs> my interactions with like building concierges have been just as awkward and shitty. But my are- but are you like I, trying I, to I,
1: give them are you trying to like give them dap and speak in lingo?
0: No, I'm not. But then again, <laughs> like all of mine were all like Latino concierges, mm-hmm. so I bonded with them, but at the same time like I didn't bond with them because one of them asked me like yeah, I, I, I'm assuming a it was an,
1: rule of an... <laughs> um, I don't offer anyone a fist bump unless I know them personally. You know?
0: I can't say I do the same. <laughs> There is a I've level... offered fist bumps to people I don't know as well as I should No, no, probably.
1: there is a level of intimacy that has to be reached. Like, it is more intimate than a handshake. <laughs> a fist bump? If you say so. No, um... I just don't go around, like, fucking, like, you know, extending my fists to any old person. I have to have a very, very, very close rapport with that person. <laughs> That's fair, but <laughs> okay. Anyway, if you, like... <laughs> like, I want to posit to you, there's like a whole, I got a whole theory about this, and I'm not going to expand upon it. But it is a lot worse to have a fist bump like neglected, like to to get to let have a fist left hanging than a high five. It is so much worse.
0: That's fair. That's only, fair. I agree.
1: I... Not only is the other person not reciprocating, you look like a jackass. You it's look true. like a
0: dipshit. <laughs> it's true, but um, but my experiences with concierges have not been all that great. One of them asked me if Rick and I. We're brothers, probably in a poor attempt to figure out if we were fucking. But like, like... For those
1: for those for those explain who Rick is to those of us to those listening who oh, are not buddies. Rick is my Tumblr Tumblr significant buddies. other.
0: That there is we go. that is the thing he is. Uh...
1: <laughs> for the record, not um, not uh, his brother. Yeah, not that my brother. Be, that would be gross. But yeah,
0: like my concierge experiences are not not great either. So anyway.
1: This is like a really bad Woody Allen movie.
0: It's without, not a really the, bad Woody Allen movie.
1: Without any of like the the, the 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 like sophistication or whatever the fuck that is. i Woody actually
0: Al- like this ties in perfectly to my final
1: note. <laughs> Woody Allen does middle brow well, and only occasionally.
0: See, okay, this is going to tie into my last note because I do want to discuss. It's like a comparison point to Woody Allen. Sure. And I actually think it's interesting that like Meryl Streep was in Manhattan, which is the movie I'm going to directly fucking reference. Okay. And um in Manhattan you have this like relationship between this much older man and a younger woman. She's fucking seventeen. And like, you know, you get the happy fucking ending and whatnot. And Manhattan like, great movie,
1: creepy movie.
0: Yes. And like this is the exact opposite of that, and I really appreciate like it turns the typical formula of like Woody Allen's like. Older man dating a younger woman and having things go pretty well regardless of their romantic comedy formulas. And this is just like, no, this is an older woman dating a younger man and realizing just how fucked up that entire process actually is. You know what? And that's this something whole, you don't get.
1: This whole movie what? would have been better if Brian Greenberg were 17. It would make more sense. I
0: don't think it would make more sense. I think 23 is fine.
1: I don't know. I like mean,
0: again, man, a fourteen-year age difference is still pretty fucking big. Like yeah,
1: I know, but uh, anyway. Now, anyway, now we're going down into a slippery slope about you know about uh, the ages of people in relationships and what's this and what's that, and we're talking about fucking Manhattan of all things.
0: Yeah. All right. Anyway, Manhattan is a much better movie than this, regardless of its Obviously. minor problems. Um, minor problems. Yeah. But yeah. So, Derek, uh, are you going to give it a fresh or a rotten?
1: Nice try movie, I'm sorry. I'm Fuck one. you. <laughs> no, I thought it was exceedingly bland. I thought like like I said before, this is like this is this is like I might as well have been watching uh, an hour forty five minute beige screen the whole time.
0: Fuck you, and I think it's fresh because I think it is a very interesting depiction of an older woman, younger man relationship, which is something that doesn't get much playtime without it being scandalous or cougars or bullshit.
1: So yeah, I mean that's that's commendable, um, yeah. but it doesn't make it good.
0: I think it makes it good. I think it's a good enough movie. It's not like perfect. The it's very, very heavily flawed.
1: Yeah, theme is but not enough to make a like, movie good. Up, a noble theme is find... not good enough to make a movie good.
0: Ugh, whatever, Derek, you suck. I wanted to quote something from Roger really? Ebert's review, which I found the other yeah the other night. Uh he gave it three you... out of four? Three out of four? Yes.
1: Generous bastard.
0: I know, I, whatever, but I wanted to... Where was it? Um, oh, also, in the final scene, I wanted to add that, like, Rachel Yamagata's uh, I Wish You Were Love or whatever. Fuck, That's who that name was. I thought I knew yeah. that. Yeah, it's a really nice... I really liked it. Yeah, I Wish Recognize You Love the voice, Rachel but
1: I, put, I couldn't put a name to it. It's Rachel Yamagata. Yeah,
0: I really fucking loved that use of that song, even though I didn't really care for it. But, um... Oh, okay, so here it is. Uh, It's his last line of his review. And it's, um, there's a final shot in which Rafi and David regard to each other with affection and nostalgia. And I wondered if the characters were expressing something else as well. The wish that they could meet in another movie and start over. And like, (laughs) I think that ties (laughs) into how we both feel about this movie. Right on
1: the fucking head. Oh, yeah, man. even Which in death like... he shames me. <laughs> even in death he makes me look like a fucking amateur.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I like I actually love how that ties into like how both of us feel about this movie because Ebert did enjoy it, but he also feels like they should have been in another movie. And Rest they should in have peace, met and man. Just...
1: One of the greats. I know
0: absolutely but he gave it three out of four so he gave it a fresh so fuck you anyway yeah, i guess he was on your
1: side more than mine. <laughs>
0: he was so what is the recommendation of the week for you yeah so okay yeah, yeah. so
1: my recommendation the link is through uh zach orth who plays one of the gay friends in this film yeah uh he he is a fourth or fifth or sixth build in this film and he's also fourth or fifth or sixth build in this film which is Wet Hot American Summer, what? 2001, directed by David Wayne. Which is
0: really amusing because I just finished watching Role Models by David Wayne last night.
1: Uh, Wet Hot American I, – I came to this movie late. I only saw it maybe a couple years ago. It is so, so goddamn funny. It is so goddamn funny. It really funny. is. It is the goofiest I, – I really like the, the acting in this film because it's an inspired kind of goofy acting. Absolutely. Everyone in it. this movie is so goddamn funny. I mean, to the point where H. John Benjamin voices a can, and it's like yes. the funniest fucking thing in the movie. It's amazing. It's Everyone, so
0: stupid, but it's fucking it's so hilarious.
1: Stupid, but it's so hilarious. That can be
0: said for a lot of David Wayne stuff, though, because a lot of people hated they came together. But, like, it's like so – st-
1: <laughs> like in a, in, a, in a nice way of saying it, it's a very heavily stylized movie in terms of performance. <laughs>
0: absolutely. The jokes I'm actually very excited for the Netflix show, so,
1: too. Oh, man. It's one of those movies there, along with a lot of stuff that those people are involved with, like The State and Stella and all that. You have to be tuned into that, into that, specific, that kind of humor, into that specific kind of wavelength. But if you're there, you're in for a fun time. David Hyde Pierce is in this movie, and he's really fucking funny. <laughs> yes, he is. It's, it's so goofy, and it's so fun. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer.
0: Get on it. Absolutely. I stand by that recommendation. What's yours? I'm going to hit the world with an unpopular recommendation. It was the film that came out the same year as this one by Uma Thurman. And it is The Producers, uh, uh, which is also female directed. Okay. I will stand by that. Just saying. Um, Yeah, okay. it's The Producers. All right. <laughs> the Producers like is the not a very popular movie. I, I'd love I don't love it. I really fucking enjoy that remake. Uh, in all fairness, it's probably because I saw the remake before I saw the original. Um, yeah, me too. But like actually. I also don't think the original is that great either.
1: <laughs> it's all right. I mean, Gene Wilder is fucking amazing in it.
0: It is. Gene Wilder is the... amazing in everything, but like. No,
1: but now Gene Wilder's performance in the producers is one of the great underrated comic performances of all time.
0: Straight up. That's fair. I could. I'll give you that. But anyway, I really just love everything about this movie. I have so much fun watching it. It's not a perfect stage to screen
1: adaptation, like, does, uh, but uh, like uh, Uma Thurman plays the sort of a Swedish bombshell, right? Yes, Oula. Oh God, <laughs> Oula.
0: Jesus, Oula, like to clean. <laughs> I fucking love it. Uh, anyway, yeah. I think Mel Brooks had a lot of fun. I just, I just really like that musical on a general level. I think it's a good like adaptation of a previously existing work and. Everyone just seems like they're having the time of their lives making that movie. Like whether it's like Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane, John Barrowman. Uh, everybody. No, there's a lot
1: of really talented people in this film, but it just did not work for me.
0: It worked pretty goddamn well. Even Will Ferrell has
1: got like his five minutes in this movie. That's all right.
0: More than five minutes, and he's he's pretty pretty solid. But anyway, uh, that's my recommendation. So now the time of the episode where you decide what is our next movie.
1: <laughs> I've had this movie on the brain for a couple of days now because I've been writing for uh, Sound On Sight's um, Canadian Film Month project. Mm-hmm. And uh, are
0: you gonna shamelessly plug your article?
1: Oh uh, I man, I, re- I recently uh, an article went live yesterday that I wrote on this on this film. If you're interested, um, this is a movie that. After I'd seen Cube, which is one of my all-time favorite movies, um, are you, are you slow-clapping me, or is that just a mic thing?
0: Sorry, that was a mic thing, but I'll pretend <laughs> I was slow-clapping you.
1: That's not slow at all. That's like, a, that's like an average Okay, I'm clap. sorry. There we go. Don't you slow-clap me. Fuck you up.
0: Yeah, uh, okay. What the hell was
1: that? <laughs> Anyways, yes, Cube is one of my all-time favorite movies. And uh, back uh, when I was in, uh, I guess, uh, early high school, I didn't know a director from a hole in the ground. I didn't like conceptualize movies in the ways that I conceptualize movies now. But I did see on a at a video store, because I lived in the video store era, believe it or not, and I saw on a DVD uh, from the director of Cube, and I'm like, shit, I love that movie. So I'm going to pick this one up. And when I went to rent it, the guy at the video store said do you want to buy this for 10 bucks because no one has ever rented it you are the literally the first person to rent this movie really so I, I bought it on dvd for 10 no bucks. no shit the store. and i watched it i loved it and i still love it today this is going to be like That's the sixth or seventh time i'm going to see this movie the movie we're doing in a couple of weeks is nothing Woo! 2003 directed by vincenzo natale
0: which i am actually very much looking forward to at this point
1: Oh, it's so good, man. I really like it. Can't wait.
0: I will I will probably have fun with it. Um,
1: if you'd like to learn more about us, you
0: can find us at dimthehouselights.com. Both Derek and I write for it because we're the co-editors. And you can also yeah. find us on Twitter and Letterboxd under the following screen names, usernames, whatever they are. Handles. Whoa, it's Juanito. W-O-A-H. It's Juanito. And Derek underscore G.
1: Right. We also have side gigs working, uh, for other websites. I contribute occasionally at Sound On Site. One's got a gig at the Miami New Times and is also contributing to Yam Magazine. And, uh, yeah, um, that's, uh, I think this is a quick episode.
0: Yeah. I think we did a pretty, pretty good job, actually. All right.
1: Well, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And see Even you. Even with
0: all of our fucking technical difficulties. Yeah. This, <laughs>
1: this episode's going to be a little rough sonically because we're having, we got a buggy internet connection. But, uh, thanks for listening yeah. anyway, in spite of that. And see you in two weeks. See you.